Well, hey there, fellow sojourners, and welcome back to another edition of Appropriate in the Culture. On today's episode, we examine whether separating sports by sex makes sense, hint it does, and analyze the cultural implications of the strong woman trope. I'm Pastor Shane, and I'll be your cold dose of reality today as we appropriate some culture. Alrighty, so The Atlantic, a magazine named after an ocean that is every bit as good and competitive as the Pacific, put out an article entitled, Separating Sports by Sex Doesn't Make Sense. Which is true, because sports don't have a sex. But if they did, soccer would be a girl. I might have misunderstood the title. Apparently, what they mean is even more bizarre, which is that we shouldn't have male athletics and female athletics. Quote, Though school sports are typically sex-segregated, a new generation of kids isn't content to compete within traditional structures. Maintaining this binary in youth sports reinforces the idea that boys are inherently bigger, faster, and stronger than girls in a competitive setting, a notion that's been challenged by scientists for years. Well, scientists were never really good at sports, so I call that a selection bias. But when you look at males and females of our species in general, and not just the puny weakling scientists, then yeah, males are bigger, faster, and stronger, which is true not just with our species, but is true for a lot of mammals. But The Atlantic continues, Decades of research have shown that sex is far more complex than we may think. Science is increasingly showing how sex is dynamic. It has multiple aspects and also shifts. For example, social experiences can actually change levels of sex-related hormones like testosterone in our bodies in a second-to-second -second and month-to-month -month way. Sari Van Anders, the research chair in social neuroendocrinology at Queen's University in Ontario, told me by email. She said that this complexity means it doesn't make sense to separate sports by sex in order to protect women athletes from getting hurt. If safety was a concern, and there was evidence to select certain bodily characteristics to base safety cutoffs on, then you would see, say, shorter men excluded from competing with taller men, or lighter women from competing with heavier women across sports. You mean like weight class? Because I hate to tell you, science lady, but we have those, and for good reason. And what's more, we also have division based on body type, not for safety exclusively, but for suitability and ability in a sport. It's the reason why Shaq can be a fine basketball player, but not so great as a jockey. It's why there has never been, and I dare say never will be, a little person star volleyball player. And even within the same sport, body type plays a role. That's why linemen don't look quite the same as receivers. Why, it's almost as if there's a direct connection between physical attributes and athletic performance. And if so, perhaps the physical differences between males and females of our species is significant enough to impact athletic performance. In fact, that might be possible to demonstrate empirically. Like, if we wanted to see if male athletes or female athletes are faster, we could have men run a particular distance, and then we could have women run the exact same distance, maybe even the exact same course, because, you know, you got to control the variables. And then we could time them with like a watch, preferably one with a second hand, and then look at the results of that across all of human history. That might be a helpful data point. Or if we wanted to see if, in general, men or women are stronger, we could have, I don't know, like a, a standard unit of measurement that they could lift and we could see who could lift more or who could throw something farther. 
I don't know. It's something scientists could probably research. But the article continues, and though sex differences in sports show advantages for men, oh, you mean like every athletic record ever? But that doesn't demonstrate the difference's biological advantage, or so says The Atlantic, quote, and though sex differences in sports show advantages for men, researchers today still don't know how much of this is to attribute to biological difference versus the lack of support provided to women athletes to reach their highest potential. That should be news to our Olympians. The reason female Olympic gold medalists and female world champions and female record setters don't perform as well as some high school boys is because they didn't get the right kind of pep talk. And I don't mean that figuratively, I don't mean that hyperbolically, I mean that literally. Literally, there are high school boys who perform better athletically than the best female athletes in the entire world. All right? Here's a thing mu. A, a thing? A thing mu? Olympic gold medalist, world champion, record-setting track and field star. Here's her personal best. In 400-meter race, she ran it in 49.57 seconds. That's amazing. Not quite as amazing as Daryl Robinson from Wilson High School, who ran the 400 meters in 44.69 seconds. Also not quite as good as Aldrich Bailey from Mansfield Timberview High School, or Michael Norman from Vista Murrieta High School, who ran it in 45.19 seconds. In the 800-meter race, Mew's personal best was a minute and 55 seconds. Michael Granville from Bell Gardens High School ran it in a minute, 46 seconds. She ran a mile in 4 minutes and 37 seconds. Alan Webb from South Lakes High School ran it in 3 minutes and 53 seconds. In fact, a number of high school boys have run a mile in under 4 minutes. So literally, not figuratively, not hyperbolically, literally, some high school boys perform better athletically than the best female athletes in the world. But we're supposed to think there's no inherent difference? It's just that her coaches, trainers, dietitians, multi-million dollar sponsors weren't as supportive of her athletic pursuits as some rando high school boys, apparently. Because, quote, the insistence on separating sports teams strictly by sex is backwards, argues Michaela Musto, an assistant sociology professor at the University of British Columbia who has studied the effect of the gender binary on students and young athletes. Part of the reason why we have this belief that boys are inherently stronger than girls, and even the fact that we believe that gender is a binary, is because of sport itself, not the other way around. The strict sex segregation we've instilled in sports at all levels gives the impression that men and women have completely different capabilities, but in reality, she said, the relationship between sex and athletic capability is never so cut and dried. The athletic record is pretty cut and dry. And when you're talking in generalities about males and females in our species, it is clear and obvious. Now, of course, it's different individually. Some women are stronger than some men. Some women are faster than some men. And no one objects to co-ed intramural sports. But when you get serious about athletics, it is good and proper to separate female and male athletes because there is inherent biological advantage for men. Now, obviously, this Atlantic article is nothing but a veiled attempt to justify trans athletes in female sports, but I think it speaks more broadly to our culture's view of feminism, which has been routinely promulgated in media. Here's the latest example. My king, the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Asking me to take them to war. War. Some things are worth fighting for. 
The woman king, because everyone knows women make the best kings. Based on true events, well, there were Dahomean female warriors whose most notable accomplishment was getting their butts kicked twice by the French. Two times. In the first Franco-Dahomean War, the Amazons participated in one major battle, Cotonoua, where thousands of Dahomey, including many Amazons, charged the French lines and engaged the defenders in hand-to-hand -hand combat. The Amazons were decisively crushed, with several hundred Dahomean troops being gunned down. Reportedly, 129 Dahomean were killed in melee combat within the French lines. But in the Second Franco-Dahomean War, it didn't go much better. On 6 of October, during the Second War, the bulk of the Amazon Corps were wiped out in a matter of hours in hand-to-hand -hand combat after the French engaged them with a bayonet charge. The Dahomey lost 86 regulars and 417 Dahomey Amazons, with nearly all of those deaths being inflicted by bayonets. The French lost six soldiers. Girl power! But this is nothing new. Film and television is replete with kick-butt women, a hundred pounds soaking wet, taking out multiple burly men with their bare hands. At this point, it's so common the strong woman is a tired cliché and a trope. But it reinforces the same notion of the Atlantic article, which is that there are no true differences between men and women. You can literally swap out Denzel Washington for Queen Lativa because there is no meaningful distinction between men or women. The equalizer being male or female works just as well both ways, my suspension of disbelief is exactly the same, and I am equally intimidated by both of them. When you see Queen Latifah coming, you better run. Which is good advice, cause let's be real, she ain't catching you. But this is really emblematic of the entire problem of modern feminism, which is it doesn't praise the feminine. It doesn't actually argue that women are just as valuable as men, or that the female qualities are just as worthwhile, or just as needed, or just as important as male qualities. That's not what they argue. What they hold to is that male qualities, male attributes, are the standard, and women can match it. And that's exactly what you see in our media. Strong female characters in modern storytelling are just men. They're totally indistinguishable from men. And the effect of that is the erasure and degradation of the feminine in society and culture. Here's an example of what I mean. Amazon's Lord of the Rings series takes Lady Galadriel and makes her quite a bit less ladylike, and I find it incredibly diminishing. You have a character who is strong and powerful and terrifying, who can unravel a man with her gaze without wielding a sword, and we reduce that to, ooh, she kicks butt in combat. It's juvenile, it's mind-numbingly boring, but that's the only way our modern media can think of strong female characters because our culture has so undervalued and diminished femininity. The ideal woman on our silver screen is a woman king, a woman warrior, a woman who is interchangeable with a man, a woman who is not at all womanly. And that is largely because feminism in our culture does not argue on the behalf of the feminine, it argues that women can be just like men. And there are plenty of other deleterious effects from that, which I think we'll talk about next week. But in the meantime, subscribe to Appropriate in the Culture on our YouTube channel, follow me on the basic socials, Instagram, Twitter, join my author's Facebook page, listen in podcast form, like, subscribe, rate, review, and I'll see you back here next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. Music